We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Monday, so that means it's time for the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour. That's the Director of Recruiting at Irish Breakdown, Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. And Ryan, we are going to continue our dive into the 2025 class, a class that you and I have been saying for months now is a really talented class. And today we're going to talk about the wide receiver position. And I think this is a very important position and a very important year for Notre Dame, Ryan, because when Chancey Stuckey was hired, when Marcus Freeman took over as the head coach, things weren't in great position at wide receiver. They ended up signing Tobias Merriweather, but lost C.J. Williams after coach after Brian Kelly left. Lost to Maureen Walker, went to Michigan, is now playing corner. C.J. Williams has since transferred to what, Wisconsin now, right? And then, of course, that steps into a situation where you had a pretty thin, injury-prone receiving core that had a lot of problems last year at least early numbers were always a problem Stucky hits a home run in his first class three kids from Texas plus Rico Flores one of the three or four best receiver receiving classes in the entire country in my opinion yeah along obviously you know you had some other great classes Ohio State had to me the best receiver class in the country Notre Dame's wasn't on that level quite on that level but it was really outstanding you fast forward to 2024 there's been some moving parts in the receiver class but the three-man class they have is very good. Uh, I'm very curious to see how it's going to be after their senior seasons. I don't think it's as established as last year's receivers class was without Isaiah Canyon, who was pretty raw but very talented. Want to see what Micah Gilbert's going to do. Want to see what Logan Saldate is going to do. Having a guy like Cam Williams, big-time player. I like Micah Gilbert. Let's see what Logan Saldate does. A really good follow-up receiver class. So, in a short period of time, they've really restocked the class, Ryan. But I think when you fast forward to 2025, now is when we're going to really start to see can Notre Dame become a legitimate, consistent recruiting force at the position yep. because you had a lot to sell in the last two years, Ryan. Thin depth chart, all these other type of things. 
Now you're recruiting against what is a much improved depth chart. So now it comes down to what your vision, what your sell set, you know, your sales pitches, all that type of stuff, the relationships. This is a class that's in fully on you and your staff. I mean, a hundred percent on you and your staff. What are they going to be able to do in a year? That's a, it, it's, I wouldn't say the 20, the receiver class nationally, Ryan is quite as stacked as some other positions, but there's some really talented, very important players in this class for Notre Dame. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a good class, if nothing else, right? Like, there's a lot of talents, and there's a lot of really good, like, there's a lot of fits that we can get in this class as far as, you know, what the numbers will end up looking at. I, I think for me, Brian, like, the the best recruiters out there are guys that stack, right? They stack class after class, and that's where you get into the situation where when Alabama was at its precipice, when Georgia is where it is now, it's because you it wasn't just one class that ballooned it, right? It wasn't just one class that took you over the edge. It was that you just had three to four great classes in a row. And then you finally start to really get that depth on a roster. And I think that when you look at wide receiver, I mean, the seven guys that they've gotten in the last two years, not only is there a lot of talent there, but it all fits really well. I mean, we talk in nauseam about how the 2023 class with – with Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James and Rico Flores and and Caleb Smith, like how that could fit so well together because all of those guys, yeah, there's some similar things that a couple of them do well that are that are, you know, that occupy kind of the same traits, but they all can line up at different spots. They all can mesh together well. They all can really fit. And I think that the 2024 class for me, it's another class that I think fits really well, right? I mean, you mentioned it. You know, Luce and Isaiah Canyon was a blow, but to be able to come back and get Logan Saldate in such a short amount of time, you have Cam Williams, who's that true outside receiver that can threaten all levels of the field. You have Micah Gilbert, who can play outside and then maybe even potentially work in slot at some points with his route running ability. You also have Logan Saldate, who is a true slot, a guy that can really take advantage of his route running and his ability to, uh, to w- win in space a ton. So 2024 and 2023, I think they all fit together really well. 
Moving into 2025, though, because like you said, I mean, you got seven really good, talented receivers in the last two years. It's now about taking it to the next level because there are some things going against them. But I would also say that there are a couple of things that could help Coach Stuckey, right? I mean, one is the longevity and the consistency, right? Now, being on the job for a couple of years, you have another year on the resume of being a wide receiver coach on the major college level. You also have been recruiting quarterback really well over the last couple of years. So that's a big sell for wide receivers to want to come play. And also, you're going to have the 2023 season, and if Sam Hartman and this wide receiver group are able to put up some really nice numbers, then you look at these wide receivers and say, like, why do you not want to be a part of this? Look how much improvement this passing game has had just in the last couple of years, and especially in the 2023 season. So there's some sell. There's some battles that need to be had. It's a good class in 2024, and I really think that Notre Dame has a chance to stack three straight classes, really good ones together, if you're Chancey Stucky into – transform this wide receiver room into a big negative, a lot of question marks a couple of years ago to being one of the strengths of your team moving forward on the, on the roster. Right. I think you, you nailed a couple of points there really quick. Number one is obviously you're going to have a much better product to sell this year, or we believe it is going to be, it can't be worse than what it was last season. So that means the relationships right now are the key. Right. It's it's using this summer to build those relationships. And we've seen that. I mean, a lot of the kids we're going to talk about today have been on campus, if not once, multiple times this offseason. And so they've done a good job there. Now it's about gonna you know, gonna be about closing, about getting some of those young guys on the field, showing like, hey, you can come here and play early on and that type of stuff. And I think the other part you hit on is, you know, when we look at what Ohio State did in recent years, it wasn't built like in it, you know, like the expression of Rome wasn't built in the day, right? Same thing with the Ohio State receiving core, for example. You know, it, it took some years of good receiver recruiting before it got down to the elite receiver recruiting. You know, you go back to 2014, they got Terry McLaren, Curtis Samuel, Johnny Dixon, uh, Noah Brown, Paris Campbell. It's a really good receiving core, but no, like, no, no, there's no Garrett Wilson in that group. They got KJ Hill the next year, who was a good player. Uh, you go out in 2016, you get Alex, uh, excuse me, I was going to say Alex Mack. Uh, different different position. Uh, Austin Mack, Benjamin Victor, you know, good football players, not not elite football players. You've got Trayvon Grimes the next year. He didn't quite pan out, obviously. You go to fast forward to 2018, uh, they got uh, Cameron Brown and Cameron Babb, who are highly ranked guys, Blue Smith. But this, the jewel of that class was actually three-star Chris Olave. And yep. and who obviously was, and then all of a sudden the, the, it starts to pick up because by that point in time, they had started to put some of those guys into the NFL. Now they weren't like high picks, right? Terry McLaurin wasn't a first round pick. Uh, uh, Paris Campbell wasn't a first round pick. Those guys weren't super high picks, but Michael Thomas was a second round pick, but they started putting more and more of those guys out. And then that led to eventually you get the right recruiter in there and boom, it picks up 2019. They go out there and get Garrett Wilson uh jameson williams was were in that that class together you look at the next year they get uh jackson smith and jigba in the next class and then of course that kind of started the ball g scott julian fleming uh, an elite receiver class and now they're just kind of stacking those on top of each other year after year after year and so but there comes a point time to your point right where the production has to match and that's what ohio state did the production and the nfl results matched and Notre Dame is is it's going to be a while before they can sell that the NFL part of it. But right now they can sell the relationships, the vision, and then now they're finally going to ch- get a chance, hopefully, to sell the offense. And hopefully that'll have an impact on this 2025 class. Let's talk about the needs in the 25 class of receiver, Ryan. 
Let's just yep. briefly talk about numbers and just kind of the players that you think Notre Dame should be targeting from a stylistic standpoint in this 25 class. So numbers, and then what are the what are the specific receiver needs that they have in this class, in your opinion? Well, I think it kind of mirrors the 2024 class to a degree, right? Like I think that you need a, a well-balanced receiver class of about three players. And we'll see, obviously, it's so tough to predict numbers, you know, because there's the initial numbers, then numbers can change so quickly, right? Is there a transfer? Is there an injury? Is there a guy leaving early for the NFL? Is there a guy going back to college that you weren't anticipating go back for an extra year? So numbers can change. But as of right now, I would say three is the number. And for me, Brian, it's it does mirror a lot of what we saw in 2024. 2024, you've got Cam Williams, who's pretty much that pure outside receiver that can affect all levels of the field. You've got Micah Gilbert, who's another outside receiver, who can also have some flexibility to play in a couple different spots. And then you have Logan Saldate, who's more of an inside receiver, who can play outside in a pinch, but he's being recruited for his route running inside, for his ability to win in space. So I think more than anything, it's about making sure this class fits, right? Like you don't want the same three guys on this on this 2025 class. You don't want three slot receivers because you're not going to get all three of those guys on the field at the same time more than likely. You need to be able to have guys that have some p- position flexibility, but more than anything that can fit together on the field potentially together because we know how things work, right? Some guys are going to be exactly what you think they were going to be. Some guys are not going to be – what you thought they would be. And there's other guys that are going to be better than what you think they are initially going to be. So predicting that is the hard parts, but the thing that you know that you can control is that you want two outside receivers, guys that can line up, guy that can line up in the boundary, guy that can line up to the field. If either one of those guys have some position flexibility to play multiple spots, it's fantastic. That always adds to it. And then you need another guy that can live in the slot and that can really affect games on a decently high volume in there. And if he can rotate, again, that's fine. That's perfect. You want that type of guy. I mean, I think back to like a Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, right? It's like Garrett was a slot receiver mostly at Ohio State, like a large number. But he could also play outside if he needed him to, right? Like he wasn't just a slot receiver. So I think three and making sure that that three fit really well, a little bit of interchangeableness, but making sure those two outside receiver spots and the slot spot are spots that you can effectively fill is the big thing for me. I'll add one more need on there, Ryan. I do think that when with with the loss of Isaiah Canyon, I do think there's a need for one really long guy, a boundary type of long guy that that they really didn't get in the 23 class. Yeah, Tobias Merriweather isn't really that guy either. He's more of a field guy right now. Now maybe Tobias, when he gets stronger and those type of things, and a little bit older, he could move to the boundary. We saw Chase Claypool make a transition like that, although for Chase it wasn't about strength. It was just you already had guys there, older guys there, but more so it would maybe down the road Tobias. But, of course, by the time the 25 class shows up, Tobias is going to be a senior or in the NFL, depending on how the next two years goes, which I know. Dude, I feel that way every single time. Like, hold on a second. Like, okay, that class won't even be there. But I do think there is a need for at least one, like, longer boundary type of player. Deion Colsey, right. Miles Boykin, you know, that kind of player where, where, where you look at that type of guy. I think Isaiah Canyon fit that mold really well in the 24 class, and obviously he's now out of that class now. So I think that's something that they should target. I also need to apologize uh, to people where apparently 
we may be causing marital problems in some people's relationships. I love this comment from Sean Rogers because we're about to get into some of the weeds here. And I thought this was perfect timing. Sean says, I've been listening to IB way too much. I caught myself talking to my wife about the kids on my daughter's under 14 travel team as having high ceilings and low floors. So, you know, you're an IB lifer when that's going on, Sean. So I, I love that. And we're about to talk about a lot of that here coming up soon, Ryan, because what we're going to do next is we're going to kind of dive into the board specifically. We're going to talk about some of the players that we like, where things stand with Notre Dame, and then we'll dive into some a little bit of film of some of the top targets, not all of them, but some of the top targets. And then, Ryan, you had a really good about 20-minute long interview with Derek Meadows recently, and we'll talk about Derek a lot. So we're going to play that during the show as well. And then we come back from the interview, we'll dive into the mailbag. So a lot of you already put some mailbag questions in there. If you have more, go ahead and uh, throw those in now and we'll get to them. They can be team related as well. The mailbag doesn't have to just be about recruiting, but obviously this is a great time to get all your recruiting uh, questions in since we have Ryan on the show today. So Ryan, when we look at this, this board for Notre Dame, obviously it starts with one player and we're going to kind of work through it in different ways. This is not necessarily a ranking of the number one, number two, number three, number four targets, right? It's a sort of right. a, the, the top group of targets, but I do think the one thing that I think we can confidently say is true is that the very top target on the board for Notre Dame is Taylor Taylor. I think that's a fair thing to say, not just from a, and it's not just because he's a regional player, but we, but honestly, that matters. That matters to the importance of getting him. But we talk a lot about Notre Dame needing to get more dynamic athletes, more dynamic athletes, Ryan. Taylor Taylor is certainly that guy. Uh, so let's talk about, about Taylor, where things stand, um, why he's an important player for Notre Dame. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's because we talk about this all the time, Brian, when there's a player that's in your backyard, he's out of Geneva community, which is an outskirt, obviously, of Chicago. So it's right, right there. When you're talking about a player that is an hour and a half away from your school and is an elite football player, a high level player that SEC schools, all the Midwest schools, ACC schools, everybody is recruiting a guy like a Taylor Taylor. You need to be able to keep him at home if that's a player that you really want. And obviously, that's a player that Notre Dame really wants. 6'1", 175 pounds. He kind of fits that field slot type of outlook. A guy that can play on the outside, can play on the inside, can affect multiple spots potentially. Brings route running upside, brings incredible explosiveness, short area burst. Really smooth athletic kid overall. And he's a kid that obviously we know Notre Dame wants. And they're off to a good start. They are. I mean, he's been to South Bend already multiple times this offseason, including the Grill and Chill two weekends ago, which obviously was the last huge recruiting weekend of the summer for Notre Dame until we get into into the, the school visit. I mean, the game day visits will obviously be big when we get to the fall. But He's a player that Notre Dame wants very much. I've had the opportunity to talk to Talon in the past, as well as his mother, Venus Taylor, and they're high on Notre Dame. They are. But the thing here that people need to understand is that you're off to a good start, but there is so much competition here, and the the timeline for making a decision is one that's not going to be rushed. As of right now, the Taylor family is talking about season visits, then official visits, then making a decision. So this isn't one that's going to be thought, this is not going to be decided until after his junior season, until after that offseason, probably right before his senior year. That's kind of the timeline that we're looking at right now. 
So we talk about this all the time. Maintaining momentum is a huge thing in recruiting. Maintaining it and seizing it and maintaining it. You have some momentum with Taylor and Taylor, but you need to now be consistent. Keep getting this kid to come back to campus. Get him on campus for Ohio State. Keep getting him on campus for hopefully another game day visit. For And then obviously visits went after the season comes. So keep be consistent. Keep making this kid want to come back to school and keep making him feel like an absolute priority that he is in the class for 2025. You need to make sure that you stay on this kid because you have to understand yeah. it's going to be a lot of competition. Ryan, be able to willing to fight that fight. I'm going to say this and, I, and I'm going to make a statement. I want to, I want you to t- agree or disagree with it. To me, it's great that Notre Dame's able to get kids early getting Taylor to me with Taylor Taylor. If he, I don't know if he would have committed early, if it would have been Notre Dame with a lot of receivers, we see that right. Big time guys. I will say I will say this. I think the fact that he is a is is in no rush to make a decision yep. is great for Notre Dame. I'm going to say that for two reasons. Number one, I think it gives this staff more time to build a connection with him because they can be patient with him because of how well they've done in recent years. Number two, having Taylor Taylor go through an entire season of what we think this offense is going to look like this year to me is huge. To where right now, you, I feel Notre Dame has placed themselves in a great position already. I don't, I don't think that he has a leader per se, but I think there's a very a small, clear list of schools that includes Notre Dame and Michigan, among others, that he certainly has in sort of a. I, I right now they're standing out among others. I think Notre Dame is in that. But if Notre Dame can put the product on the field that we think it has this year, combined with the relationship they're already building, as you talked about. I think that could be huge. And so I know Notre Dame's motto always has been load up, load up, load up. But I actually think the fact that Taylor Taylor isn't in any, any rush to make a decision could end up being a really good thing for Notre Dame because he's going to get all that time to see what Notre Dame is going to put on the field this year. And then to get a chance to see what the freshman receivers are going to be and and that type of thing. And yeah. Well, and there's a lot, there's a lot of things that make you feel positive about that recruitment. Obviously, like I said, the early, you know, positive momentum getting into campus multiple times off scene. That's awesome. He also has a great support system, right? Like his family's awesome. And his mom is a college softball coach. So she understands the recruiting process. She understands how to handle visits and all that type of stuff too, which I think is very beneficial for this recruitment, which I think will be big kind of working down the stretch, which, which is great. And I also think this Brian, like this is a big time kid, right? Like this is a top 50 type of recruit in 2025. And if he committed today to the university of Notre Dame, for instance, right. And hypothetical, then for the next year and a half, you're going to be hearing about, is he going to flip? Is he going to flip? Cause people aren't going to step. The schools are not going to stand down to Notre Dame for a wide receiver. They're not going to, it, it might be a different case if, Let's say it's an offensive lineman, right? Let's say Owen Strebig commits to Notre Dame tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's like, can I really beat Notre Dame for an offensive lineman right. that wanted to commit early? Wide right. receivers what's, are different. What's animals. the negative recruiting? Yes. What's the negative recruiting you can do to an offensive lineman going to Notre Dame? What's the negative recruiting you can do to a tight end that's going to Notre Dame? Right. I mean, exactly. that's the the point that you're making, and I and I agree with it. And that's kind of where I'm coming from because I think what hurt Notre Dame with some recruits like a Justin Scott, for example. Yep. It was very clear immediately that Notre Dame was the school to beat for Justin Scott. So every school that wanted him had one team that they were negatively recruiting against, and it was Notre Dame. 
and and, and I, when I say negatively recruiting, I'm not even meaning that in a in a dirty way or a uh, a, a way that you and I would find underhanded. It was I mean that more so. A target on that's the, the team to beat, right? Exactly. I think it's a yeah. better way of saying it because I don't mean negative recruiting the way that we often think it. I just mean, yeah. hey, we've got to we've got to overcome that school. So all of our right. plans are geared towards overcoming that school. And I think that's partly why Notre Dame just kept going down his list is because everybody was beating up on Notre Dame. Well, they haven't produced an NFL kid since this time. They haven't done this. They haven't done that. That's negative recruiting, but that's the kind of negative recruiting that is okay. That's okay because it's true. Yeah. (laughs) It's a negative towards Notre Dame, but it's a negative that's built around reality. Notre Dame hasn't had a lot of success producing a lot of big time defensive linemen. So that's kind of what I mean. And that's also adds to what I'm referring to here is because there isn't one school to beat up on right now. There's a group of schools that he clearly likes a lot early on. And so people can maybe key on Notre Dame, but I don't know if that's going to have the same impact with Taylor. Cause it's almost like when you don't have them as your leader, you're like, why is everybody so focused on Notre Dame? It is interesting how these things can kind of play themselves out. But once the product on the field and this is why I think it's a huge year for Notre Dame offensively. If the product on the field is legit, then that could be the kind of thing that really makes them hard to beat for Taylor Taylor. Because as you said, you got a mom who's a college coach. She understands the importance yep. of getting a great education. She also understands the importance of you can get a good education at a lot of places if this place doesn't yes. develop you for what you're trying to do vocationally, which is to be a football player at the National Football in the National Football League. And that's what a lot of folks miss when we think. Well, this kid said he's about academics, but why did he choose Ohio State? Because his chosen major is he wants to be a professional football player, right? So why would you not look at that? Because if you have the right support system, you can still get a good education at Ohio State. It's not Notre Dame, but you still get it. But the education you're going to get at your chosen profession, which is a wide receiver that wants to play in the National Football League, it's a no-brainer right now. And I, so I think that's where this could have a big impact. So I, I, I think they've done a great job so far. They have to be yeah. willing to be in it for the long haul with him. And that's yes. that's going to be the key. But I think that what the product we're going to see this year is going to be very, very important. It's another guy, Ryan. The fight, man. Yeah, 100%. Back 100%. Back and I will say this. This staff has not shown that. This staff has not shown a, uh, a an unwillingness to battle for those top guys. Yes. I think sometimes maybe – if a guy's slightly below, they'll take that guy and just say, well, you know, we, we can get that guy. But we saw this with Kingston. We've seen this with just even with Justin Scott. I mean, they didn't move on to somebody else until they'd lost that battle. I think this staff yep. has shown a willingness to fight that fight. And I think that's certainly something that helps Notre Dame out quite a bit as well. Let's move on to the next guy on the board, Ryan. And, and I, I think a good place to go next for me is a, a young man who we're going to interview here or you interviewed but we're going to play that interview here later that's one of the more intriguing players in this class and we'll dive more into it when we break the film down later but let talk Derek Meadows is who I'm referring to from Bishop Gorman out in Las Vegas Ryan there is probably not a kid on the board who has a bigger gap between what he is and what he could be in this class than Derek Meadows uh visited Notre Dame this summer and coming, we heard some rumblings from sources that he did really well at that event. But ever since that event is over, Ryan, it is so clear. And you said at the very beginning of your interview with Derek Meadows, the people get to listen to, this is kids a clearly a priority for Notre Dame in the 25 class of receiver. 
Well, you, you mentioned it with needing size at the position in 2025, right, Brian? I mean, this kid is the tallest on the on the board right now. He's six hey, foot Ryan, four you half, know what name five. was going through my head when I was talking about that <laughs> yeah. particular player. That's him, yeah. I mean, he is – guys, he is – when you're talking about – because we had a piece that went out on him a couple of days ago, and he was standing next to Marcus Freeman uh, – next to Chancey Stuckey, excuse me. And Chancey Stuckey's not the tallest guy in the world. I think he was only like 5'10"-ish somewhere in that ballpark, but I mean, he dwarfed Chancey Stuckey. Like he absolutely made him look like he was incredibly short. So, I mean, this kid is six, four and a half, six foot five, and is a really, really good track and field athlete as well. I mean, he is a state high, like high hurdler. He's a 14 something high, 110 high hurdler. He runs the 100, he runs the 200, he runs the 400, four by four. Like this kid's a freak athlete. He really is. Height, weight, speed, dude. And he camped this summer at the Irish Invasion, and he impressed Notre Dame. And since that since that conversation and since seeing him in person, he's become a priority for him. He, it's the funniest thing in the world, Brian, because there's a lot of projection to Derek Meadows, right? There is a lot of projection. Tons. Because, yes, lightweight speed freak. He has all the variables that you look for, for athletically. But he had six catches for 97 yards last year for right. Bishop Gorman. That's all he had. But yet... One service has him ranked as number 72 overall player in the entire class in 2025, the number nine wide receiver. I mean, to speak volumes to what people perceive his upside to be, that's it right there. I mean, not much production. Now, obviously, going into his junior year, because he was only a sophomore last year, he's expected now to take a big jump as a producer on the field for Bishop Gorman, a school that is coming off a 14-1 and season. Everybody knows Bishop Gorman. I mean, they win the Nevada State Championship every single year, and they're one of the best teams nationally seemingly every single year as well so he's being developed i think by a really good coaching staff he's a part of a great program and he's got a really interesting backstory he actually brian i don't know if i told you this but he was born in jersey spent a little time in jersey he lived in aurora illinois for 11 years and then now he lives in nevada so he's got the illinois ties as well now you're holding out on me right you definitely were holding out on me yeah, you were definitely yeah, holding out on me. It was, it was in the that. piece I wrote, man. It was in the piece I wrote. I'm just saying. I'm just, just messing saying. with you. <laughs> yeah. But 11 years, he's an Illinois guy. He understood Notre Dame a little bit, but now he's doing a deeper dive. And, I mean, you'll hear in the interview, folks, but a lot of the things that he values in finding a program are things Notre Dame brings to the table. And he has a right. great relationship with Notre Dame early. I would say that they are the team to beat right now for Derek Meadows. Yeah. And there were, there were a lot of older players in that on that roster too, Ryan, you know, Zachariah branch was on that, that Bishop Gorman roster uh, last season. Uh, you had Audrick Harris was on that roster. I mean, there were, there were, there were Caleb Irving is a, is an older player. There are some older guys on that roster too, which kind of factors into yes. partly why he didn't get a ton of playing, like a ton of uh, playing time last year. Plus he's also a really raw player. Yes. And I, I will say this. I think that, that looking at his recruitment, He's a guy that gets a lot of interesting conversation with Notre Dame fans because, as you said, the film's not going to be impressive because he had like six catches. Some of the film on his highlights is is actually a JV film. It looks like JV film because it's like in the middle of the afternoon and that kind of thing. But as you said, the raw tools are enormous, and I and I do think the Notre Dame is in a position, Ryan, because of the success they had the last two years, that. You can take a chance on a kid like him. You can take a flyer on a kid like him. And I think that's why it so, was so important to land the numbers in the 24 class and then and then followed up with another to, strong to, or 23 class and then followed yeah. up with another strong 24 class. Because now you've got seven guys in two years 
you can say, hey, we don't need this kid to come in and play as a true freshman. And if he develops over the next two years, and he can, great. You know, it's added bonus, but it's not a need per se. And I think at some point in time, you've got to be able to take flowers on a kid like this, Ryan. Because if they would have wait, let's say they decided, well, we're going to wait until he proves himself a little bit more. And then let's say right. Derek Meadows goes out there this year, and what he did this summer at different camps is what he does in, in the fall, and he blows up. Now, right. all of a sudden, you had your window to really put yourself in front, but now Georgia's coming, Ohio State's coming, USC's coming, Texas is coming, Bama's coming, because they're talking about a six foot five freak athlete that ran a four five flat laser timed as a sophomore in high school that can jump out of the gym. Yeah. And now, good luck getting him now. Right. And so I think that's really what Notre Dame is banking on. And I, I think it's smart strategy, Ryan, but it's only smart because of the past success. If they were still looking at this class as we just need kids that could come in and play right away or we're going to be in trouble, I'd have a harder time justifying having Derek Meadows this early as such a priority because he does need so much work. So does that make sense? So I think, it, I think it makes a ton of sense, and it's really a smart strategy for, for Notre Dame, but it's, they're able to do it because of the recent success this staff has had at the position. I agree. I mean, because I think 2023, you look at especially, and it's like almost every one of those kids are high floor players, right? It's it's like you got two for sure at the early enrollees. And I think Caleb Smith brings a pretty high floor to the table when he's able to get yeah, back fully his, healthy, obviously. Yeah, not for his yeah. shoulder, Ryan. Because yeah. I think the only difference you and I had on Caleb Smith was the upside. Yeah. I think I'm a little higher on the upside. We You felt, right, this is a kid to come in and help you. I mean, good route yes. runner, catches the ball well, can return kicks. It was the ceiling disagreement that we had. Yeah. with him but but to your point Braylon James is the only kid that came in with the thought of this kid needs a lot of work but he yeah. has the highest ceiling of all those guys three 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 out of four I think had significant seal uh, significant floors excuse me I think when you look at 2024 Cam Williams has a high floor I think Micah Gilbert has a high floor I even think Logan Saldate has a pretty solid floor to the Agreed. table a lot of KK really Smith do. in him Ryan I, I've yeah. given in I've given in his name's KK Smith on the roster I've given in. <laughs> that's it yeah I know man I saw that too that's funny but I mean yeah I, I think all those kids I, for the majority of the last two years you've gotten some high floor receivers which you needed right like there was there's been too many gambles and they haven't paid off for whatever reason. Right. And I think that that's one big thing that Chancey Stucky's done is he's gotten a lot of high floor kids mm -hmm. that, you know, are going to come in and play, man, like Jaden Greathouse, right. Like we can talk about the upside of Jaden Greathouse as a fan base, all we want, right? Like, is it all American? Is it just really good starter? Is it, you know, leading receiver for two years? Like what is the upside of a Jaden Greathouse? We can have a great conversation about that. Is he Juju but Smith or is he Javon McKinley? Right. Like right. that's the conversation that we would have about him. But, but he's going to be I one of those two barring right. and, and we could have that conversation and there could be a bunch of different vantage points, a bunch of different perspectives. But I think everyone would agree, though, no matter what you think about Jaden Greenhouse's upside. There's very little bus factor there, right? Like he's going to play football yeah. and he's going to do a it's good just job. injury. That's yeah, the only exactly. thing, because, you know, he's going to work. You know, he's got the attitude and you know he's got the skill. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so getting those kids, the same thing with, with Rico Flores. Is Rico Flores ever going to be a star at Notre Dame? We can have that conversation. But what I know is Rico Flores is ready to play right now. Right. You know, and I think Cam Williams will be that kind of kid. And Micah Gilbert physically will definitely be that kind of kid as well. So I do think that taking a fly and, – and we're seeing that with several kids in this class, right? They're, they seem to be more willing to take some chances on kids for different reasons, and that leads us to the next player on our board 
that we're going to discuss, and that's Jerome Bettis Jr., who goes to uh, uh, is it Wood? It's Wood. Hmm. He was at Westminster School. No, he's at Woodward Westminster Academy. That's yeah. right. And yeah. it was one of those W's down in Georgia in Westminster. <laughs> and so this is an interesting player too, Ryan, because when you watch the sophomore film, it's not impressive. It's really yeah. not. And it's not impressive in the same way that Derek Meadows, like Derek Meadows has very little sophomore film, but the little film he has is it's pretty good, right? I mean, he does some good things. Jerome Bettis Jr.'s junior film does, or sophomore film does not show a Notre Dame caliber player. His summer work, however, shows a different kid. He's grown yeah. about an inch and a half. And he's and, and it reminds me a lot of what we saw the first time we saw Bryce Young, who's a, a Bryant Young son, who's now a Notre Dame commit. And the first time we saw him, we said, boy, that kid's got some really good DNA, but he ain't a Notre Dame player right now. But you take a chance on that. And now all of a sudden, you know, by the time he's going into his senior season, he's got offers from USC, he's got offers from Michigan, he's got offers from Miami, because everybody sees like, oh, this kid's really good. And Notre Dame got on him really before anybody else. Notre Dame was, I think, the first big offer he had. I think when they offered, I think Duke was about the only other really kind of power five caliber offer that he had. Yeah. And he was only like 215 pounds. And he he looked about a buck 85. Remember that (laughs) photo we took with Marcus Freeman and he had like these (laughs) giant feet and these giant hands, but he looked like a, looked like a shooting guard. I think he was still playing wide receiver at that point. It was like, what, what is this right now? Yeah. Yeah. So you look at Jerome Bettis jr. And we can be honest and say the film right now is not Notre Dame caliber, but Notre Dame has had him in camp. They've seen the camp workouts. They've seen some other workouts he's done. There's an there's an expectation of, hey, we really want to see the junior film and see if it jumps because I've been told he's up to almost 6'3 now. You know, his speed has taken a jump. You're kind of betting on the DNA a little bit. And that's where they see in Jerome Bettis Jr., which, again, Ryan, you could not afford to do if not for the success of the two previous years. So let's talk about where things are with Jerome because – I, I got to say, Ryan, I really respect the way that Notre Dame is going about this one with Jerome yeah. Bettis Jr. and how they're recruiting him. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, and Jerome Bettis Jr. really appreciates it. He really does. I mean, from the because the minute that you hear Jerome Bettis Jr., everybody knows who Jerome Bettis is, right? Like we, we're on a Notre Dame podcast, but everybody, NFL, college football, and anywhere in between, like they know who Jerome Bettis is. Like he brings a big name. He's an NFL Hall of Famer. He's a college football Hall of Famer. Tremendous football player, obviously. Big reputation there. So when you hear his son and you see – 
no recruiting ranking by most services and you see a smaller offer list, you're like, it's because of his name, right? He's being recruited by his name. That's your assumption that happens. And it's okay to admit that. It's okay. Sure. But the minutes that he was offered and since then, consistently getting on campus, I think four times this offseason, at least three times this mm-hmm. offseason, three to four times this offseason, which has been crazy. Jerome talked, and Jerome came on this podcast and he talked about this that the coaching staff is very upfront with him. We're recruiting you for you, not based on what your last name is. We want you to be a part of this program. We don't want your name to be a part of this program. Your name's already a part of this program. We want you, though, to come and play football in the 2025 class. And he's incredibly receptive and he's incredibly appreciated, uh, appreciative of that. Like he talks about Chancey Stuckey. He talks about Chad Bowden. He, he talks about Marcus Freeman. And he talks about those guys that are just making him aware that this is real, man. Like we want you to be a part of the program. And honestly, like he has a, a he's starting to get a little bit more looks, right? Like he's got Georgia Tech. He's got Arkansas. He's gotten a couple more like high power t- type of offers. But this is this one is as long as Notre Dame continues what they're doing. I anticipate Jerome Bettis Jr. being in the class eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's just working through this process, making sure he's doing the right thing. He's being deliberate with his approach in this process. But Notre Dame has made no false steps in this one, in my opinion. He has made a very authentic approach, and they've made him feel appreciated and like they want him the person, not the name, which I think is big time. And it a testament to the staff because – the staffs need to be apparent on this, right, Brian? Like they need to be understanding of like when I'm when I'm talking to Bryce Young and I'm talking to Jerome Bettis Jr., there's going to be an assumption, especially when I talk to them early, that like you just want me because I'm a legacy, right? Like you mm-hmm. want me because of a legacy. No, I don't want you because of your legacy. We like you on film and we think that you have upside that is still that has not been tapped into yet. Come be developed here. And that's kind of where we are with Jerome Bettis Jr. is that I think that The staff has done a tremendous job and really made him feel like he is a priority again for this class and a guy that they wanted the class. The board obviously is deeper than those three. It's a, it's a much deeper board. Those are just a lot of the names we know. Let's get into some other players that have been on campus to Notre Dame over the last year. Some guys that the staff likes quite a bit. It's a good, it's a really talented board. I want to first talk, obviously, Ryan, I'm I'm kind of talking a little bit somewhat in your backyard. It's not right in your backyard, but maybe if you had a giant backyard, it's kind of in your backyard. And that's Quincy Porter, big receiver from New Jersey. You know, his his coaches, I tell you, I was I was reading the article you did on him and man, there either some serious hyperbole going on there with that with that staff or they're expecting some big, big things from Quincy Porter. I got to be honest. I, I loved his sophomore film because you, you, you know, he wasn't real fast as a sophomore, Ryan. But you could see, like you and I have been watching film a long time. You, you see those six foot four kind of kids built like him that are that are long and kind of still growing into their bodies. And you say when that kid's coordination clicks and he kind of starts getting in some of that grown man strength, that kid's speed is going to take off. And I think we're going to see that this season. Uh, Notre Dame. This is a little bit different though, Ryan, because he likes Notre Dame. But this is a big battle, and there's a lot of other schools that are in comp- in uh, competition for this one. And I think this is one where I think Notre Dame has a lot more work to do maybe than they do with some other guys on the board. Am I, am I correct in that yeah. read, Ryan? Where would you say things are with Quincy? Yeah, I mean, he's incredibly impressive young athlete. I mean, he's at Bergen Catholic right here in New Jersey, which Bergen Catholic is one of the powers in the state of New Jersey and typically one of the top-ranked programs in, in all of- college in high school football excuse me usually a top 20 to 25 national program 
And he is listed between 6'3", 6'4", 190 to 200 pounds right now. And I've been told by his offensive coordinator or his wide receiver coach that he is 4'4-something fast now this offseason. He's really grown into his body. He's gotten more explosive. He's really added to his arsenal. A young man that came to them before his sophomore year, it was super raw. And they said within like three weeks, they were like, okay, he's going to be a pretty good football player. I mean, this guy is that true boundary, explosive, physical, back shoulders, can run some go balls for inside breaking routes. Like this is that type of dude that has alpha potential. His coach said that he's Calvin Johnson. And again, like that's, Maybe a little hyperbolic, like that's that's a big statement to make. Yeah, but, for a sophomore. I mean, yep. If you watch his film, though, I mean, there's definitely, obviously, some big time traits to work with. There is. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there's a lot, a lot of, it's a lot of foundational things that you can build off of with a Quincy Porter. And I mean, m- kind of my update was pretty much this, Brian, is that there's a lot of schools that are that are interested in Quincy Porter, from SEC to Midwest and everywhere in between. But there seems to be an affinity to a couple of the Midwestern schools. There does. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame was one of the schools listed off the record. There, Michigan was listed as another school that Quincy really likes. I think that there is just for whatever reason, those schools are really appealing to him. And I think you coined it perfectly that he is interested in Notre Dame. There's no doubt, but he's never visited the campus before. Right? So until you get Quincy Porter up for hopefully a game day visit this fall, this one doesn't feel real to me yet. Like that's kind of where I am with it is that like, I think he likes Notre Dame, but like tangibly you need to be able to go see Notre Dame. Cause he has been on some visits and Notre Dame has not been one of them. He's seen Michigan. He's been down. I think the Texas A&M at, at one point, there was a couple others that he's been to. So and, and Ryan, that's where yeah. I was coming from because it's not yeah. like he's only visited the regional schools. He's been to right. Syracuse and the and the Virginias and the places that are like, you know, this, it's very easy yeah. to get from Jersey to maryland virginia yeah. north carolina right very easy yep and but it's it's he's been to michigan he's been to a&m and that to me is like yes there's some interest there but but how interest how much interest and until he decides it's enough to get on campus clearly there's some work to be done on this one in my opinion yeah i mean it's it's a perfect way to put it so I, I think that notre dame has intrigue early but they need to get him to campus to generate inc- like legitimate interest because he is a young man that I'm told, I'm told that the values Notre Dame has are stuff that him and his family are going to gravitate towards. So that's a good thing, right? But seeing yourself on the campus, student life, in that uniform, that's where things change, right? Either it's a, a game changer or it's just not for him. And which one happens will, will be determined if they are able to get him to campus. Let me ask you this one, Ryan, and you may not know the answer. And if you don't, it's fine. Uh, I didn't prep you for this answer beforehand. Would you say with him, it's more about the football part right now than than the other stuff? Because obviously, the the he knows he knows Angeli, he knows guys that have been there. He knows that it's a Catholic school like his. Would you say maybe right now some other schools are are, are maybe a bit more attractive right now because of the foot what they can sell from a football standpoint? I mean, A and M doesn't make a lot of sense, but you know, Michigan does obviously with the success they've yeah. had in recent years. I, I think that it's it's a pretty split for me, but I think it matters tremendously. I do. I think I think that the, I mean, because I've had people rave about his support system, like absolutely rave mm-hmm. about it. So I think academics are important to the family. Mm-hmm. I think that student life is important to the family, but I do think him being an NFL football player is also. I, I meant as far as 
I've meant as far as the issue with Notre Dame, because clearly mm-hmm. we know he likes the academic piece. We know he likes that part. Right. It's is football, obviously, for a wide receiver. With some kids, it's just not going to be a real attractive aspect right now. Like I can go to Michigan, get a sure. really good education and be a part of a team that's going to go to the playoff. Because this is the yeah. funny thing is like Quincy Porter was in middle school the last time Notre Dame was in the college football playoff. And you said, well, it was only 2020. Exactly. This kid just finished his sophomore year of high school. He was in the eighth, seventh or eighth grade when Notre Dame went to the playoff, right? I mean, he was even younger than that, barely out of elementary school when they went to the playoff in 2018. So that's the thing we got to remember with some of these kids is like what may not seem like that long ago to us as grownups to a kid is like, well, it's like the seventh grade when that happened. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So yeah. they may not have that same recognition. I think he point is for me, my read is he's a kid that could really get moved to towards Notre Dame this season if they have the kind of offense we have, because I think he knows he likes the other stuff. I think that's the reason the interest is there. Right. is the the intangibles that Notre Dame brings. And, and that lays down to the support system. If yep. the football product can match, that's where I think Notre Dame could make a big move with a kid like this. Moving I agree there. Yeah, I, I think that if you hit every side of the coin, that it will be a much easier sell, obviously, yeah. right? And I also think that, and it's just speculation on my part, but Notre Dame is one of those unique environments that I think some people outside – or like, I don't think I would fit there until you finally get mm-hmm. there and you're like, oh, I, I actually yeah. will fit there. Like I think about Micah Gilbert, right? It's I like Micah Gilbert liked Notre Dame, but like until he got to campus, he didn't really think maybe he could flourish there or he could fit there as well, right? And that's yeah. kind of a similar vibe I get with Quincy is like, I think you just need to get him on campus and see if he can feel it, right? And, and that's a not a quantifiable thing, which is hard, but I, I think that really is Makes there, a lot right? of sense. Yeah. Here's a kid, Ryan, that does not need to be convinced on Notre Dame. Yeah. And that is Cooper Perry out of out of Arizona. Yeah. One of my favorite kids in the class, Ryan. Where where do things stand currently with Notre Dame and Cooper Perry? He's a really good football player, man. And there are some rankings that have him ranked that way, but it's not consistently across the board. But, I mean, this kid is about as productive as a receiver that you'll find on the board. He's a technically really sound player for his age, man. Bigger body, he measured in at six foot two and 187 pounds at Notre Dame this offseason. So the size that he's listed at is legitimate. I think that he's an underrated athlete. I wouldn't call him a burner, but like he's just a really good football player, man. Like that's just kind of where it is. And he, his grandfather went to Notre Dame, didn't play at Notre Dame, but he went to Notre Dame. So he grew up with an affinity for Notre Dame football. And that was something that he's very used to. He's been to Notre Dame twice this offseason, despite living in the state of Arizona. We always talk about follow the actions, right? You, on their own time, they chose to go to Notre Dame twice this offseason, and they were trying to get back for the grill and chill, but scheduling just stuff just wouldn't make it happen. But I imagine they'll be back for at least one game they visit this fall. So in about a six-month period, Cooper Perry is going to be at Notre Dame at least three times, at least. And I think that he really likes the coaching staff. He really likes the staff at the school in general. It's just an easy fit for a man. Like it's a place that he can see himself at, right? So if Notre Dame pushes, I think they'll have a tremendous opportunity to get Cooper Perry a part of the class. I think that's where you are. They obviously much, very much like Cooper Perry. It's just about now the board figuring itself out and seeing if the fit makes total sense because I think that Notre Dame is in a tremendous early spot. He's one of the other kids on this board. Talked about Derek Meadows, and I would say that Notre Dame's the leader for Derek Meadows right now. I would also say Notre Dame is the leader for Cooper Perry as it stands today. 
Also want to talk about Dalen McCutcheon, Ryan. You talked about Cooper Perry being a very fundamentally sound player. The other kid that's in that category to me is Dalen McCutcheon, one of the most advanced route runners, just feel for the game type of players in the class. And he's also been on campus at Notre Dame. Uh, so it, kind of you've had a chance to sit down with Dalen and talk with him. What are where's where are things with him in Notre Dame? He obviously is another kid that's a, a Texas kid, right? So continuing the Texas pipeline is a very intriguing proposition. But to your point, Brian, I think that following up Dalen McCutcheon after Cooper Perry is a perfect segue. I really do, because that kid is an inside-out type of player that is just going to run incredible routes, get open, easy separation. He's a short-to-intermediate separator. And I think he's got pretty good short-area explosiveness, though. I really do. I, I really like Dalen McCutcheon a lot, and I think that he is – Ohio Notre Dame. I mean, last time I talked to him, which was only a couple weeks ago, we had an update on him, and he said Notre Dame was a top two school for him at that point. Oklahoma and Notre Dame were the two schools that he mentioned. So obviously, Notre Dame has done a good job early. I think that he liked Notre Dame going into the visit. I think the visit rubbed off on him this offseason and really made Notre Dame seem like a true spot for him, similar to Cooper Perry. It, what does the board end up looking like? Who are they going to end up pushing for? Absolutely. They like Dale McCutcheon, there's no doubt, will he be a guy that they prioritize when it's all said and done? Like, that's the question that we have as of, you know, in this top group. And there's some things that need to be figured out. And some, you know, just number, the numbers game is obviously right. going to be a conversation piece. But I think that they like Dale McCutcheon. I think Dale McCutcheon is very high on Notre Dame, another team that I think Notre Dame is in his top group right now. I think the thing that w that we need to be clear about, and I, this is where Ryan's coming from and what I would say too is, when we talk about, because we kind of had this discussion before the show, right? Like, how do we break these guys down? It, when we say we're not sure where these guys are with Notre Dame, it really comes down to Notre Dame is still working on what the priority list for their board is. This is this is not like, I'm not sure if Notre Dame actually likes him or not. That's not what we're saying. We're saying is we know, as Ryan said, they we know that Notre Dame likes Cooper Perry and Dalen McCutcheon a lot. but who are they going to really push for when when push comes to shove? We don't know the answer to that. Why? Because Notre Dame hasn't figured out all those answers. We know two guys for sure that if they called tomorrow, yeah, we're, we're taking sure. them. And that's Taylor Taylor and Derek Meadows. But Brian, right? I, th I think because people think like people get stuck on like, is he a take? Is he a take thing? Right. But like, I think back to the 2024 class at defensive end for Notre Dame, it's like, People were like, oh, they didn't like Malachi Williams. It's like, no, they liked Malachi Williams. It's just that they already had commitments from Bryce Young, Cole Mullins, and Logan Thomas. Well, they it's also like liked a lot. Numbers. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you can't make that number work at that point, right? It has nothing to do with not liking a player. It's about timing and right. prioritization. That's what it comes down to, right? right? So I think it'll come down to, in my opinion, we know who the guys are that Notre Dame is 100% in on, right? The next step is, who wants to come, right? Like right. who wants to be part of the class? What does the time frames look like for some of these players? I think that this is a, it's a smaller board, but it's a very understood board right now is how I yeah. kind of put it, right? Like I think that we have a deep understanding of the wide receiver group in 2025 and who Notre Dame is really prioritizing. Right. That's how I kind of see this class. right? Yes. Now. I think that's a great way of putting it. We know who they like. We know who their top receivers are. We don't know who the top of the top is yet. And I think they're still working through that. And I think the junior film is going to have a lot to say in that. That's also part of it too, Ryan, is, okay, let's see who the guys that go out and do certain things this season are. Who who are the guys that really step up? And 
and play at a high level when we get into the season. You know, there's some other guys on the board that we could spend some time talking about. Obviously, Philip Bell is a kid that their name is offered. They have looked at. Kobe Howard is a kid I know we know the staff has liked. There's some other guys, Taz Williams, they had on campus for the spring. I would expect the the, the receiver offer board to grow as we get into the season and the staff sees more kids really kind of break out this season. So I, I think it'll grow. But we right. do know that this is a group that we did that we discussed that they like. And yes. and I, I don't think they need to rush. That's the other thing, too, is well, yeah, I, they're not in a rushing. Notre Dame's not rushing this. Like, do they do, do they want certain players? Yeah, they do. Are they trying to push those kids to commit now? I, I don't think they are. I think they're trying to let it play out, see if that kid likes them as, enough. Because right. this staff has shown that they're willing to learn from as they go through this process. And I think there were some kids maybe they – not that they pushed, but that they – really strongly tried to get a commitment from early and then come to find out maybe that wasn't as strong. So when they get a kid, it's like, we want to make sure that it's on his terms and he wants to be part of what he's of what we're doing. And when you do that, there's less of a chance of these kids flipping down the road. There's always a chance the way recruiting is now, right? It's just a little less of a chance. I think it's a great note is that yes, we have to remember that these kids haven't even played their junior year of high school. Exactly. I had someone ask my mailbag this week, like how do you kind of balance projecting and who would be a take as of today? And I, I think that's a great question because I just don't think that I think that people need to understand that a take is a very subjective word when we're talking about a 2025 kid who just finished up their sophomore year and is now going to be a junior in high school. There's so many variables that need to happen from a numbers to an on-field perspective. There's a lot of players that Notre Dame likes right now, but is everyone a take, quote-unquote? I mean, no, right? Because they, they need to see more. You need to see how a guy projects. If you take a guy too early and let's say in the junior year, like they just aren't the same guy for whatever reason. They they add too much weight. They're not as explosive. Like then you made a miscalculation of projection and you need to be able to balance that really well. And I think that you, that's what we're kind of seeing with some of the numbers. I do want to dive into some film here, Ryan. Yep. But before we do, I just, I want to wrap up the class this way. I think Notre Dame is in a unique situation. They've got a board they really like. I believe all but... Quincy Porter has been on campus at least once so far of the Correct. board that they like. Yep. And I think at this point in time, they're willing to be patient to get the right players. And I'm going to circle back to something we said before. This is why it's so important to stack classes on top of each other. Right. Because when you have back-to-back classes the way they did in 23 and 24, it affords you the ability to say, hey, look, yes, we want three receivers in this class. Might even get to four. but it's got to be the right group, and because of our previous success, we can afford to be patient and wait on a Taylor Taylor if we need to, to wait right. on a Derek Meadows or a Quincy Porter if you need to, and then also to wait on some other kids to emerge that there may be some kids right now that Notre Dame likes that we don't know about or that we're not talking about that Notre Dame likes a lot, but the, the interest isn't reciprocated. But if Notre Dame goes out there and they're throwing for 300 yards a game, scoring 40 points and those type of things, winning big games, beating Ohio State, USC, Clemson, that type of stuff, if the season plays out that way, all of a sudden those kids are going to be like, hold on a second, Notre Dame. And so when you're looking at it and we are talking about the 25 class, not the 24 class, there's no need to rush, especially if you have confidence in who you think you can be as a football team this year. 
and I will say this, the offensive staff is very confident in the, in the, in their, in the potential product that they're going to put on the field this year. And I think that factors into why they're not necessarily rushing to take some commitments either and being more willing to say, hey, let's continue evaluating these type of players. Yep. Evaluation's a big thing. I mean, I think that's a great note is that, I mean, this time last year, if we did you know who Isaiah Canyon was? I no. certainly didn't know who Isaiah Canyon no. was. I mean, every single year there's guys that kind of pop up on the radar that had big junior years or they camped at a place and you're like, Oh, that that's a guy. And that's a priority at this point. So, I mean, even think about this off season folks, like we did offensive line show and it's like, th- there's like three or four offensive linemen that have been offered just this off season at camps. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of where we are is that guys pop up and completely different. There are some guys that, you know, he's a stud the minute he steps on campus as a freshman in high school, right? Like Kingston Villiamoesa was a guy that stepped in St. John Bosco. And you're like, that's a guy as a, as a, as a freshman in high school. And there's other guys that aren't that guy until they're a junior. And there's other guys that aren't that guy until they're a senior. And, and there's different trajectories and projections that I think we just need to understand. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com